Hello world and welcome to Her Royal Science. Today we are shaking things up with a new episode format called The Royal We. My guest and I will be playing The And, a beautiful card game about connection and introspection created by the skin deep. My guest today is future doctor Natasha Mudiwa Muanigwa, who is currently pursuing a PhD in neurobiology at the University of Luxembourg. Originally from Zimbabwe, she grew up in Botswana and then returned to Zimbabwe in adolescence. She then completed her bachelor's in human biology at the University of Nicosia in Cyprus, followed by a research master's in molecular mechanisms of disease at Radboud University in the Netherlands. Her current research focuses on Parkinson's disease using stem cell-based models. She's also one of the co-founders of Visibility STEM Africa, an online initiative to celebrate continental and diasporic Africans in STEM, and co-founder of the Luna Corner podcast. I'm excited to have Natasha here today for this collaborative endeavor. Welcome, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Could you please give our audience a brief overview of your research before we start the end? Of course. Um, as you mentioned, I'm currently a PhD neurobiology student at the University of Luxembourg, where I am studying Parkinson's disease. What I actually do is I use stem cells that are um, derived from patients with Parkinson's disease um, to generate brain models, so little mini-brains that kind of recapitulate the key features of the human midbrain, which is actually one of the main brain areas affected in Parkinson's disease. And using these mini-brains, I'm trying to study some of the molecular mechanisms and pathways um, that are affected in Parkinson's, how these impact the way the cells function. And yeah, just trying to um, investigate these different pathways and find um, targets that we can try and rescue with drug treatments, for example. So that's kind of a general sense of what I'm trying to do um, in, in my PhD. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. And how did you first learn about the and, the card game that we're about to play today? Um, You know what? I actually don't even know when it was, but it was a few years ago. I think very early on when the channel started, the Skin Deep started the channel. Mm -hmm. I just came across it, I think, randomly on YouTube. Um, And I watched like one episode. I think it was because I, I I know you're a fan as well and you've watched yes. a lot of the episodes. Um. It was, I think, the first one I watched was that couple. Um, I think it's Andrew and I forgot him. Is his name Andrew? Like the the interracial couple that have had several episodes. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm yes. I'm forgetting yes. their names. The ones who are trying to have a baby soon. She yes. has some uh, medical issues that they've gone through together. Exactly. Yes. Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know. You know. You know the folks. And I remember watching that episode. I just loved the format. I loved yes. the the depth of the question also they were just really good questions yes i think questions that you may not ordinarily just ask like spontaneously in conversations but they're such good questions and i also just loved how raw and honest people were in the episodes like sometimes i got by myself crying or i'm like yes. i could feel the person's pain when they're talking about like a painful experience and i could relate mm -hmm. to a lot of the things i just love i love that and i think it's such a powerful platform and just bringing you know whether it's couples or strangers or a parent and a child or mm -hmm. siblings together to have these conversations in such a open and honest way I think it's so beautiful I love like meaningful conversations so for me it's just it's just so it's so beautiful what about you actually if I can flip it back to you when did you learn about it I had a very similar experience I think my first episode of the end was also a couple Mm -hmm. I think he was a musician mm -hmm. and she she had a hat on, she had red lipstick on and they were talking about whether or not what she had done constituted cheating because I think she um, had, you know who I'm talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We're clearly fans. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that episode and I was like, oh my God, that's such an interesting conversation to have because mm. she genuinely believed and it had experienced something that she labeled very differently than how mm. he experienced it. And mm -hmm. it was through the course of the conversation that I think they realized they had very different viewpoints. Mm. But if they had never asked those questions, neither of them would have ever known that. Mm. And then I just went through the entire catalog. So I know those people like I'd know my own family. And like mm. you, you just, you feel what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you introspect as well. And you think, if someone were to ask me that question, how would I respond? Mm. How would I feel if I heard that answer? from someone that I cared about as well. 
I don't know. It's just that human experience that I wish I got more of sometimes because same television at times and movies as well. They're so manufactured. It's not truly the human experience anymore. No. Mm-hmm. Someone writing a script. No one monologues as much as people do on This Is Us. So <laughs> <laughs> I wish they did. I yeah. wish people were that honest about their emotions. But that's just not the world that we live in. So mm-hmm. I think I sometimes use it as a bit of an escape. I've forced my partner to play with me as well. And I think he's he's come to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just it's given me the opportunity to learn more about myself and learn more about how I see the world. So yeah. in a selfish way, I benefit tremendously from it. And so that's why, because I knew you loved this game, I just Ugh. knew I had to play with you at some point. I just happened to want to record it as well. <laughs> No, it's so great, and I and I, I totally feel you about like using it as a tool, kind of to reflect on yourself. I don't know if you have the the self deck, so I also bought like the self deck, the dating deck, and the friends deck. Um, ah. So and and I I think I've used the self one the most because I don't always have people to use the friends or the dating one with, especially right now. It's not like I'm seeing many people. Um, but the self one is really good because like we, the way it works is like you write down your intention, your goal or your dilemma at the moment, like before you even uh-huh. begin. And after that, you just pick cards and then, you know, you try and relate whatever's on the card to either the dilemma, the question or whatever. Or sometimes the questions are just general, but it's been really good. And I, and I journal while I'm like answering the question. So I just write down my answers, but it's been a really good way for me to, I guess, self-reflect, especially last year when things were just haywire i i really liked it as a way to get in tune with myself it's a, it's a brilliant um concept in general it is it is and honestly the skin deep and the and are a key factor to why i wanted to create the podcast as much mm. as i do enjoy talking about the science mm. i think i care so much about the person mm. and what they've experienced and what they've seen and how they feel about those experiences because we just don't ask those questions at a conference. Mm-hmm. You don't go to a Q&A and say, so tell me about the hardest moment of your doctoral degree. Exactly. No, you're asking about the ins and outs of the methods that the person utilized for mm. their experiments. Mm. So I, I think I have to give all the props to the Skin Deep because they've contributed so much to my life and my growth. And we're going to grow some more today. I do have my tissue box. I'm all set to go. <laughs> I'm good to <laughs> and- go too. <laughs> Good. As my guest, I would love for you to go first. You can ask the first question to get us started. Okay, perfect. So um, the first question I'd like to ask you is, how do you think others describe you? <laughs> That's a hard one, isn't it? You started with one of the hardest questions. I know. I'm like, this is um, out, out the gates. Just go. <laughs> yeah, we might as well just jump in the pool, right? Exactly. So how do you think others describe you? I've thought about this a lot, Mm. and I think the bits that I'm, I guess, insecure about are the things that I tell myself other people talk about when I'm not around, Mm. so I'm quite uh, introverted, which Mm -hmm. is, I know, sometimes surprising to people, but when I'm with a person one-on-one, I can vibe with them so easily. Mm. It's sad, though, but the minute that multiplies... The minute there are four people there or there are 10 people there, I just, I kind of fall in on myself. Mm -hmm. And so when I leave that space, I I always go, oh my God, they're going to think I don't like them. Mm. They're going to think that I'm mean (laughs) or they're going to think that I think I'm better than them and I don't even Mm. want to entertain having a conversation with them. So if I'm in a negative space, then I'll assume that, that I'll, I'll assume that people think I'm not very warm or something like that. And that's what they say when they talk about me. However, if I'm feeling pretty good, which is honestly the majority of the time, Mm -hmm. then I think people would mention I'm creative. Mm -hmm. I think people would describe me as I have deep and profound care for people. Mm. I think someone who knows me, even in a marginal way, Mm -hmm. at least one-on-one would know that, Mm. that if... I have even the slightest drop of care for a person. I will fight for you. Mm. Like I will defend you and I will protect you. Half the time, I don't even have to know you or like you very much. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I'll still go and... You go hard for people. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that people see that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where I'll end there. I'll end up talking about this for a while. But yeah, I think it depends on my frame of mind. 
But I, I have to uh, say that I, I actually can see that in you. Actually, I think it's something I noticed in you when we first interacted, the, the caring profoundly from pe- for people. Because you, you really? do, yeah, you do radiate the sense of like, I don't know, it, 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 this warmth and this like, when I talk to you, I just feel like safe. I don't know if that's the word to use exactly. But like, even I remember this time when we were texting on WhatsApp a while back, I don't yeah. even exactly remember the content of the texts anymore. But there was just something else like, Asma is just like really easy to talk to and I just feel very welcome in this in this Aww. space. So I, I definitely think that's at least for people like me and I'm sure there's many other people who maybe we don't even know each other that well, but I do think yeah. you do give that vibe off to people. At least for me you do. Thank so Oh, that makes me really happy. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't you never know if it's yeah. going to translate. You never know. Cause sometimes you reach out to someone and I always feel like I'm overstepping. That's, mm-hmm. I think, also the other side of it, oh, where yeah. I just think people are going to be like, why is she in my business? Mm-hmm. Why does she think she can ask me this question? Yeah. But then other times I'm like, okay, let them see my intention. Let they let them see my heart. Yeah. I hope that they can see what I'm trying to do. And Absolutely. if someone's having a rough day, I do want people to feel like they can reach out to me and mm-hmm. say, hey, can we talk or can you just be on the phone and listen to me breathe for five minutes? Yeah. I'm fine with that too. Mm-hmm. But you never know if people are going to receive that energy and people are dealing with their own stuff. So that is such a tough question. <laughs> like, let's just, let's just go, go for the jugular. We just thought we start hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll return the favor. Okay. <laughs> um, let me think. What question? What is a mistake that you keep repeating? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what is a mistake that I keep repeating? Um, I think a mistake that I keep on repeating is um, I I have a tendency of of giving people the benefit of the doubt even when I know that I shouldn't, and mm. um, just I guess. I've had people in my life over the years where I know that they're not good in my mm. space or or it's just not a good situation. And this is friendships, relationships. It covers all, all matters of relationships. But I keep on finding excuses for them and keeping them around me um, until it gets to a point where it's so bad that there's no other choice but to, like, cut them off. Yeah. Even though I probably should have done that, like, way 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 back and i do it again and again where it's just people who are in my space who i know are probably very toxic um mm. and i have a tendency of just being like yeah no but then they're a good person or yeah no but then like they do this and nope we've been friends for x amount of years so i can't and then ultimately it's not good for them or for me because the relationship is just not a healthy one so that is definitely a mistake I, I make quite frequently because I always try and see the good in people. But sometimes, even though someone may 100% be a good person, doesn't mean that they're good or you're good together as friends, as mm-hmm. partners, as whatever it is. Um, yeah. So I think I've had to learn to be a little bit more honest with myself about, or I need to learn actually that because I don't, I don't necessarily know if, I, if, I, if I'm over that yet or it's still something I probably might do in the future. Like... Because I don't know, I always want to see the good in people, you know? I always want to just, like, especially if somebody, I've been friends with them for a while. And even if they keep doing crappy things, I'll keep on making excuses for them. And it's not not healthy for me or even for the other people. Sometimes maybe I'm also just not the right person to be in their space, you know? Mm, Absolutely. I have to say I'm quite similar in that respect. I'm trying to outgrow it. Mm. It's tough, though. Yeah, it's hard. Because I, I think... We've all been taught to see the good, right? To see the good in people, to see the good in situations. Mm -hmm. And going back to that whole caring deeply about people, I do know that because that basis is there, I try to pass off the bad thing or the bad action Mm. as a glitch. Like, oh, but that's not who they are. Mm -hmm. But then I I think I came across this quote, I think it's Tupac, Mm -hmm. who said, I might want you to still eat, but just not at my table. Mm-hmm. 
Like I still want I love everything to be good for you. I want you to have all the success in the world. I mm. want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to find people that love you. But it just might not be me. You know, that's <laughs> such a powerful thing. And I think it's been a it's that's been a lesson that has been hard for me to learn because I think I'm quite naturally a carer and I always mm. want to care for people. Yeah. All my friends, like my very close friends, always tell me this, like, girl, you can't be Mother Teresa to the world. Like you can mm-hmm. o- you're only one person and also you need to take care of yourself, right? Um, so it's easy to be in that space where like, you feel like you always have to like make accommodations for people and be understanding to them. But sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like you, like you said, you can still want good for people, but you don't have to be the one actually actively doing anything to make their lives better because there are Mm -hmm. other people there. They also may need to take that, you know, ownership of their own lives to get to where they need to be. But that's been a pretty, like that's something I constantly find myself being in that situation where after the fact, I'm like, yeah, you knew like six months ago that this wasn't (laughs) it, but you were just like, like that friendship was toxic from the jump, but you were just like, but yeah, um, you live and learn, I guess. But yeah, that's definitely, I guess, something that came to mind. Mm. Okay, so your turn. Um, let's see. I suddenly got very nervous. I feel like the next question is going to be big. I- I'm actually debating myself. Do I want to go for like a, a hard hit or do I want to like keep it like like a, like a nice one? Okay, yeah, let's, let's go to a nice one. Like what do you admire most about yourself? Oh, I have to think about that one. Mm. Uh, what do I admire? I like that I don't get stuck. Mm. When I realize that something is not working for me, Mm. I'm thinking of my way out. Okay. And I know that there are a lot of people around me, including some family members, some friends, Mm. who I've seen just you get sucked into the way things are. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're supposed to struggle to get to the next stage and you have to sacrifice things. And if I just don't feel like it's worth sacrificing, I'm out. Mm. It's just non-negotiable for me. I love that. And I know that. uh, Thank you. (laughs) At first, I don't think I admired it about myself. I think Mm. I just, I actually used to call myself a quitter. I'm like, I'm not the fighter. I'm the quitter. And I'm okay with that. That is not a bad word. But I never admired it. I think that was a really big concept for me. I read it somewhere. I heard it somewhere. But I and something I've realized as well that there's no honor in sticking around in a situation that doesn't serve you. Like mm-hmm. and a lot of people do it. Like there's you, you're not getting any cookies for that. Like you're yes. just you're just staying miserable. And even mm-hmm. um, like I like this whole thing about quitting. Quitting isn't necessarily a bad thing because sometimes things are not for you. And being mm-hmm. able to realize that and go through with it is actually sometimes harder than sticking it out. You know, yeah. people think quitting is an easy thing. It's not. <laughs> or, or walking away. It's terribly difficult to do. So, you know, mm. I admire people who have the strength to do that because it's a lot easier to just stay in the funk, you know. Um, mm, absolutely. Oh, this one's kind of happy. When you think about the first time you fell in love, what do you remember? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um... That's a that's a cute question. Yeah, it made me go all when I when I found it. <laughs> I think, you know, when I think about the first time I fell in love, actually, I I just remember being like super, like always excited and giddy and stuff. I would mm-hmm. say like the first time I I would consider that I was in love was um, like I was seventeen. Ooh, you experienced real love very early. <laughs> for you <laughs> i guess but um yeah i would because I, I i would say like my my first serious boyfriend i i would say that i i was pretty yeah i i i was in love with him and i don't know it, it was just really it was fun like i think that was what made me like also like just believe in love if that makes any sense like mm. because i just remember being like so excited and like you know like the butterflies like the the um, just wanting to talk to him like on holidays like wanting to meet him and all this stuff like it was so fun like I'm really grateful that I had like a really I had a a pretty good like first like relationship and we dated for quite some time I'm sure some people because I'm going to share this of course once we share this and I'm sure some people will probably know who I'm even referring to but I don't care (laughs) because we're adults like come on um 
Um, but he was like, I think it was good because I think um, it was a pretty healthy relationship. And I think it taught me like that, like, you know, relationships can be fun and you can be friends. And I think that was also the thing. I think the first time I fell in love, it was like, I remember feeling like I had a really, like a best friend, like someone I could really like count on who I had fun with. Like it was just such a fun and beautiful thing. And also I was still like so young and childish and mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I, I think I actually have very fond memories about like, I guess my my very like my first serious relationship yeah I had like boyfriends quote unquote like you know before that but like you know how it is in high school like you know <laughs> boyfriends like, well, um <laughs> but I dated this person also into like a bit of like university as well so it started in high school and then went on like for a few years so it was in my life for quite some time and we actually stayed friends more or less like over the years because I think we actually were really good friends and had like a good experience so I, I'm, I'm glad I have Mm-hmm. fond memories about that like just the, the excitement and the giddiness and like oh, oh my gosh i'm in love like, <laughs> it's just cute feelings like it's 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 it was just really cute and 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 i it was it was nice i'm i'm, I'm and i'm glad i have that because i know not everyone has like very like always positive mm-hmm. memories of like their first even their first loves because like relationships can be very toxic right like your first love might be a very unhealthy relationship yeah sometimes it is for people yeah am i allowed to ask a follow-up question oh yeah of course we can always like segue (laughs) when slash how did it end um i think it was just circumstances like because we were we were in the same place we were at the same uni but then he had to leave for reasons um and then there was distance and i think we're probably both a bit too young and immature to do the whole long and it was like a long distance across continents Mm. oh wow yeah and we were like early 20 like we were kids like Mm. you know i don't think we either of us were really had the bandwidth to really make the relationship work in that context and i think also we were each other's maybe first really serious relationships and i think we were young we needed to or both wanted to see other people do other things in a sense but i think and that's why we were able to stay friends even after the fact because i don't think it ended in a very like bad way it was just Mm -hmm. it's not working per se of course there was little dramas that happened not to say like there was nothing but i think overall it was just the you know sometimes just doesn't work and you're far away and then you grow up and you meet other people and stuff so yeah, but I, someone I think I'll always I'll, I always have love for that guy. Like he's he was a good person. He is a good person, but yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. I I feel like that was a bit of an incoherent answer, but it's <laughs> okay. I was that just, made total sense to me. I was just like, oh, giddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, <that was> good. <laughs> if that's what you remember, that's what you remember. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, that's wrong. Yeah, like no, you don't <laughs> feel like that. <laughs> that's not a way to feel. Okay, yeah, that's funny. Okay. Um, um, okay. What do you think is the most important lesson you're learning at this stage in your life? I think I've always had a little bit of this, but 2020 definitely shoved it into my view. Mm. Really savoring the day mm, because mm-hmm. I think all of us had this universal panic of I could actually get COVID and die. Yeah. You know? And for the most part, I mean, I've had some health issues in the past, but for the Mm. most part, I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't have major issues that I have to contend with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But every time I I get like the slightest cough, girl, or I feel a little warm, girl, I'm just like, this could this could be the beginning of the end. Yeah, and maybe that was one of the reasons why I'm feeling even more centered with my idea of not getting stuck because I'm mm. thinking, okay, if I die next year, mm. do what, what do I want my last year to look like? Mm. And yeah. ooh, can I actually like jump off, off of that point onto something that made me realize that I wanted to change my life? Mm-hmm. At some point, I think in the third or fourth year in my PhD, mm. because I've always been fairly aware of death. At that point, I thought, Gosh, it would suck to die in this point. Oh, yeah. Like, at this point in time. Mm. And I never felt that before. Wow. <laughs> at any point in my life, there was never a point at which I went, if I die now, that would suck. That would suck. 
that's such an interesting like perspective though but it's, it's very powerful it's awful but it's also like i think it says a lot right because yeah, it says a lot it tells you like i'm not pro- i'm probably not particularly very happy where i am right now yes yeah it just felt like i was going through the motions mm. and i was looking at the people around me and looking at people that i looked up to in mm-hmm. academia who seem to be doing the same thing day in and day out and i'm not very good at that mm-hmm. i'm very much the oh i want there to be uh, differences and monotony is not really my vibe mm. so when i saw other people doing that and that was the path people were placing for me they were putting stones along this path to get me to there yeah i, I just didn't gel with me and that's why when I was looking back, and there was nothing horribly wrong with my PhD, yeah. but it just was a lot of the monotony. It was a mm. lot of the experiments and, okay, I'm going to work on this paper and mm-hmm. I've been working on this paper for a year now and, okay, I'll work on the introduction now and, okay, now we submit and, oh, I need mm. to do my committee meeting and you go through that whole thing. Yeah. But that was the point at which I thought it would suck. So now I never want to have that feeling again. Mm. And COVID has just reminded me each day could be your last. Make Absolutely. sure you're happy. Make sure if this is the last day, you could look back and go, yeah, I did okay. I did I'm okay. All right. Yeah, the worst yeah. of the wise. Because honestly, like I think a lot of us live um, kind of thinking that... I think people forget that life is finite. Death sucks to think about for most of us. Like, you know, it's, it, it, but it's real. And at the end of the day, you don't know when it's coming. So try to live like the best version of your life that you can in whatever circumstances you can. Of course, you always have barriers and limitations and struggles that's always going to be present but like in whatever you are in try and enjoy it and have fun because yeah Mm -hmm. indeed like if this is the last the last week the last day the last year even the last five years like you want to look back and be like you know what i i I did i did what i needed to do i i'm happy like i did things that made me happy and being intentional about me doing things that made you happy and realizing that and i think to to what you're saying a thing that i realized this um just to piggyback off that, it's like, um, I've realized also because of this COVID thing, a lot of things that we stress about don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Mm. There's a lot of things that we stress about, a lot of things that just we do. Generally, they don't matter. It's all stuff that we just do because, you know, it's society, blah, blah. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. Like, you need to really sit down with yourself and really acknowledge what actually matters to me mm. and what are the things I'm just doing because, Yeah. I, I feel like I have to because most stuff to be fair it doesn't really matter to be honest like there's a lot yeah. more there's important things and we 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 put so much weight on things that often have no real value to our lives um mm-hmm. but it's hard to see that sometimes when you're just caught up in the motions you know mm-hmm. and surrounded by people who obviously believe that those things are important oh yeah absolutely I mean when I was finishing up I people were telling me, oh, you need to have more publications. And then I I started having those existential thoughts. Mm. But what is a publication? Will the publication, like, keep me warm in my grave? Will it help me have good deeds? Mm -hmm. What is it really? And then I sounded like I was insane because everyone else is just like, just get the paper. Yeah, get the damn paper. (laughs) Nature, sell, publish. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I maybe I didn't buy into it and that probably made me not the best student in the world. Maybe if I had pushed myself harder or if had, I had strived for more, then I would have had like 10 first author papers, whatever. Yeah. But I just wasn't, I didn't buy it. But that's it. not your, it's not your journey. You know, there are people who no. want that for themselves and good yes, for you if you do. Absolutely. But I also hate this notion that like, I hate people telling other people and telling me what is the correct thing to do like you must do this you must publish this many papers you if you yes. want to be the best of this i'm like no i will do things in the way that i feel like is making sense for me because yes. the reality is that life has no formula life there's one thing that i've learned in my 27 <laughs> years of existence life has zero formula people tell you do this 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 and then i might do it the other way like honestly i i'm just like people like have this thing of wanting to tell you how you must do things and half the time like of course, there are some formulas that work for the most part, but just because there's one formula doesn't mean that uh, there aren't 20 others that would get you to the same place, right? So it's always yeah. like, take people's advice and like, oh, do things like this with a grain of like, okay, that's your perspective. I'll take it into consideration, but it might not work for me. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just... Uh... That just triggered me a bit because oh, I get so irritated with people. They just think, you need to do it like this. I'm like... Yes. <sighs> I have felt it. Don't worry. I feel you. 
Yeah. <laughs> is it my turn to ask? I think it's your turn to ask me because I asked you about the. It's your turn. <laughs> Speaking of things that irk you, what are your top three pet peeves? <laughs> okay, my top three pet. The first one just comes to mind immediately because my number one pet peeve <laughs> is people who just spit all over the place. <laughs> I hate that. I hate it. Please, if, 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 whoever's listening to this, please don't just spit on the sidewalk. Why? Why? It's so annoying. It, it, it just drives me up the wall. I cannot. I can Like, when I just see somebody just, like, spitting. Why? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I cannot. Like, as you can hear probably from my voice, I'm just getting irked even at the, the mere thought of it. It just yeah. grinds my wheels. I can't. Like, I hate that. And just even if I'm walking and I, and I look down and I just see, like, a little spit puddle... I am oh, like, God. what is wrong with you? Just swallow that nonsense. Like, what is your problem? Like, just... Oh, oh I, I feel okay. you on a deep primal level. Girl, that... I, I just can't. I can't. I can't. Like, I... I, I that just... Uh, I'm trying so hard not to swear. Can I swear? Just as a... <laughs> yeah, I'll bleep it out. Don't worry. Oh, okay. My mom listens to this. <laughs> I'm just... Because I've, like, been trying to... <laughs> to keep my mouth clean but like i was like oh that 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 you know uh gets me okay so that's one of my pet peeves um okay what a, an, another um um i think pe- people who i have a pet peeve of people who just aren't straightforward mm. i like people who just like get like just say say what's on your chest yeah yeah um the irony is that i'm not necessarily the best at doing that which is very ironic because you would think that i would be a sharpshooter but i'm not always i'm i'm i think i'm getting better slowly at that wait but don't they say that the reason why you can see a flaw in someone else is because you carry that flaw yourself it could be it could be because i i i I generally i like people who are just honest and just Mm. like straightforward um and I just don't, like, you can, t- you know, if someone's just running around circles, not being honest with you, not being straightforward, it's just like, don't waste my time. Even if it makes me upset, I'd rather be upset than, like, we spend 20 years getting to the point we're going to get to anyway. Mm-hmm. So that is um, a pet peeve of mine. Um, and last pet peeve, I think general messiness. I can, mm. I can deal with it. Like I can, but I guess that's a pet peeve. It's not like something that you can't live with. Like it's, but I, I generally get like just irritated, like people who are just like, who just like, like, it's okay if you just have a little bit of mess. Like I'm not like, a, yeah. I'm not like a clean freak. Like oh, everything has to be like, you know, straight at a 90 degree angle, but like people who don't clean after themselves, I think actually this relates more to the lab. I really get irritated, like, in the lab where, like, somebody leaves their bench, like, with just a lot of stuff. Or, like, there's a shared bench, like, at the Western Blood Station. And somebody just leaves yeah. tips all over the place. And it's like, you know, we all use this. Like, you, I, I find myself doing it so often that I go and I just clean up, even if I don't need to use the thing. Because I, yeah. I just can't look at it. Like, I just hate people who don't clean up after themselves. Like, just, especially in a shared space. It's just rude. Like... Mm your mama ain't here clean up after yourself like please (laughs) just be respectful i that that annoys me a lot like yeah but also you know i'm from an african household we were taught to like you know clean everything (laughs) like you don't leave your dishes just lying there for who like you clean (laughs) that stuff exactly so yeah i think i I just like people who are just like i think respectful of the fact that other people want to use something so they yes. make sure that they're leaving it in the state that they found it. Like, just leaving things in a mess. It's so annoying. Especially in the lab. Like, but that's happened so often, actually. So, yeah. Mm. Um, okay, so. What is the greatest lesson your family taught you? Ooh, okay. I don't actually have to think too long about that one. Mm. I appreciate that my family taught me that the label... Like being my mother, being my father, my brother, etc., mm-hmm. doesn't actually mean anything. Um, and if they do something to offend me, I have every right to walk away. I love that. Oh, that wow. is something that I, hmm, seeing the way my parents relate to their parents, I always expected them to do the same to me. But I'm your mother. Mm. But but this is your father. You can't disrespect him. Mm. Who cares if he hurt you? Who cares if he hit you? Mm. Who cares if he made you feel bad about yourself? That was non-negotiable in my house. Wow. Being my mother is not a title that warrants 
her to treat you in any kind of way. Yeah, treat me badly mm. or to hurt me. She doesn't mm-hmm. get free reign. Nope. Mm. I love her and I love her probably more because of that. Mm. Like she and I have a beautiful relationship and mm-hmm. I'll forever be grateful for the foundation that she set for me as a woman. I'll appreciate that to the day I die. Mm-hmm. But that freedom mm-hmm. to know even if my mom just turned on me for whatever reason, and sold me to the wolves and mm-hmm. just said, she's despicable. I hate her. I don't have to entertain that. I don't have to sit around. Yeah, and be like, oh, yeah, because it's my mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. And I appreciate that they did that because I realized that that was really rare in her day. Absolutely. It's 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 rare in, in, in our day, like not even her mm-hmm. day, because I feel like that's not something I, I, I don't even have that. I think it's it's. It's very rare, but it's it's something I th- I've thought about a lot, and it's something I tell people a lot that this concept that because somebody is related to you, you have to give them some pass is absolute nonsense. Because some people, like the reality is, you don't choose the family you're born in; you're just born. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, you might just be born into a very trash and toxic environment with yeah. people who are not good people. Just because somebody's your parent doesn't mean they're a good person. Unfortunately, it's hard. It's hard to to take that in but it's the reality some people are just trash and they may be trash and your parent Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and Mm -hmm. or your sibling or whatever and and i I think i've always also struggled with that idea that just because somebody's related to me i need to just give them back i think so i think the Mm -hmm. fact that even your parents themselves were like yeah no you know if we do something you can you know you have the autonomy to be like nope I'm not here yeah. for this and walk away because I think so many people keep toxic family members in their mm-hmm. lives who keep continue to drag them down, who also actually don't even have the best intentions for them, yeah. you know, because they feel like, oh, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's my brother. I have to be there for them. Not to say you should just discard your family, but re- the reality is some people are not good people. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's nothing that you can do to change that either. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I think sometimes, um, as a, like as a child, for example, and I know I've experienced this when I was younger where I would see maybe issues with my parents in some shape or form and think that I could do something about it. <laughs> Like, mm. you know, because I'm like, maybe I can, and it's like, no, sis, you can't. Like, they're also adults who have made choices, who have yeah. their own opinions and such. You are their child. No one said, of course, you're important, but you can't necessarily change them because you're their child, you know? And I and I think a lot of um, young people, especially if maybe you're in a home that's a bit tumultuous and stuff, you think you can do something about it, but you probably can't. <laughs> yeah. And it's not fair for a child to feel that way at any point in their life. Mm. But And a lot of parents sometimes I've found just, I don't know, watching the end and watching Ian Lefin Fix My Life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of times parents sometimes use their children as pawns to kind of get back at the other parent. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. Which is so unhealthy it's as so well. It's so toxic. Which is really good. Another thing that I think I kind of learned from my parents, and specifically my mother, mm. because my mom was obviously the parent, not obviously, my mom was the parent that was around more. Mm. So I, I'm sure she would have every capacity to badmouth my father mm-hmm. because he was away working or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But I like that she had the, the class mm. to be like, yeah, okay, he's not around, but he's also not around to defend himself. Mm. yeah okay i'm not gonna just trash talk him because he's not around yeah yeah it just it wouldn't be fair to him but it also wouldn't be fair for me as a child to carry that with me and then what i'm supposed to try and get my parents to get <laughs> that's a lot yeah. of pressure on a child yeah absolutely. you have to be 10 and you have to be a marriage counselor, counselor and pass math like what i know <laughs> not there and then you have to navigate recess politics and who you're gonna sit next to at break and exactly oh uh, no it's, it's too, too much. much it's too much yeah, so, no, I appreciate that for sure. That's a lovely thing that, that they gave you because I think it's rare. I haven't seen that so much in general. Um, so that's 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 great that you had that experience. I will thank my mother today for that. You should. It's good parenting right there, honestly. Could I ask you the same question? Uh, yeah, sure. The greatest lesson my family taught me is probably resilience. My parents mm. are both ridiculously resilient people sometimes Mm. resilience i don't i don't always know if it's a good thing as well because sometimes i I, i'm a bit on the fence on that but i also think that as much as i'm on the fence on that it's also a trait that will get you going forward even when things are 
trash. Mm. I think like um, my family's been through a lot, of, a lot of nonsense over the years since I was born. Since probably before I was born, like we've been through a lot of highs and some low lows. Mm. Um, and I've seen both my parents being be in very like just not so great or positive situations but they they've never like given up they've never been like woe is me life is over mm-hmm. i can't keep going they've always picked themselves up and started again i think and that's another thing that ability to start again and knowing that like as long as actually my dad actually has he always says this like as long as you're alive you can start over mm-hmm. which is true mm-hmm. like as long as you're still breathing you yeah. can you can pivot and do something else that's the only yeah. the really only like thing that will stop you is being dead honestly so mm-hmm. i think that's been actually a great lesson because whenever i've been through like things that were really tough i i just kept going i was like you know what this is temporary it sucks now mm. but i know if i just ride this wave i i i can be in a different situation in a few months and that's really kept me going when sometimes things just seem seemed like like yeah bad you know so i'm i'm grateful for that in in ways but again the whole resilience thing i'm still on the fence about how i feel about it to 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 an extent because it's great but also i think having to always be resilient just also just means you're always being dealt a bad hand and should you always have to ride the wave like you know that's That's exhausting it's exhausting exactly and you're human and you know being resilient sometimes you have to like be above like the stuff and just keep going even when you're tired or even when you're and that's not always a good thing because i think it, it'll it'll come back to you in other ways you know mm. what i mean so yeah. yeah but i but i still am grateful because i think the resilience has in ways got me as far as i've gotten that's why i'm here now like if i wasn't resilient i probably would have not had the drive or the patience or the like just tenacity to do certain things or to be in certain spaces um mm. so yeah i was going to ask if you had a child what advice would you give them about the world okay honestly when i saw that question i was like i'm hoping i don't get that question yeah that's why i threw <laughs> that's why i threw it to you i'm like oh, oh that's mm. I mean, the honest answer is I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. <laughs> Our world is just, it's a mess. It's chaotic. Yeah. And if I were to have a child, my, my child would be black. And if we stay in the U.S. and Canada, that means that they will have to endure things that I'm not going to be terribly happy with. And I just can't see a way to explain it. mm I just don't see it. I cannot. How do I explain someone hating my child because of who they are or because of who I am and who my parents are mm-hmm. and who my grandparents Like it just, it's, it's so disturbing to even think about. And I, I commend people who, I mean, even in the last year in the middle of the pandemic have been able to bring life into this world and oh, not yeah. be completely petrified because I'm scared for people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's strange because I think we're entering that phase in our life where people around us and the people around our age are having babies. Yes, yes, Like yes. some of my good girlfriends are having babies. And when I think about the advice that I would give to a child, I think about her, their kids and mm-hmm. I think about what my place would be in their village mm-hmm. because I do think, obviously, that it takes a village to raise a child and to mm-hmm. raise a child well. Mm-hmm. And when I think about children being born i think about how i can be my girlfriend's close enough person yeah that her kid can come to me if there's something that's troubling them be that auntie mm-hmm. yeah so i i mean i don't have an answer to that question i don't know what i would tell the child i think that's that's fair yeah but all i do know is that i'll just be there to support mm. my hypothetical child and all of the people around me who are having children, like, I got you. Mm. I'm I'm here and I will be a support because it's impossible to do alo- alone. And it seems like it's getting a little bit harder. There are just more conversations to have. How would you even go about explaining the last four years in the U.S.? That's true. Like, How would you go about explaining the remnants of apartheid in South Africa? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think there's just so many... So many issues and how to even have the vocabulary and the, oh, to, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. I think raise, yeah. people who raise children, shout out to all of you because it's, I know. it's, 
it's it's not a easy thing at all. No, um, not at all. I'm in admiration for the people who do it and who do it well. Exactly, because yeah, people a lot of people have kids, but um, yeah, it's it can also go in a different direction if they are not intentional about you know the things <laughs> they're doing. So yeah, yeah, I know. I saw that and I'm like, oh, I wonder what her answer will be. But <laughs> I was hoping not to ask, <laughs> to get it asked of me. <laughs> um. Mm. Ah, if you had the opportunity to live in another country, where would you go? Um, I, you know, I saw this question and I actually don't even know if I know. Mm. Um, I would, you know, I would like to actually live in the UK, but specifically in London for a while, just because so many people told have told me that I would probably love London. I think you would. I lived there for a bit. Yeah, it's cool. I think you'll like it. You'll fit in. It's a good vibe. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like I'm just really curious because so many people have told me, yeah, you would, you, you would, you would, you would like London. So I think um, maybe one day. You never know. I might end up there because I am one to wander and end up in places. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not far fetched by any means. Have you started thinking about postdocs and post PhD stuff and all that good stuff? To an extent, but not extensively. I think I've had like also moments, especially last year when I was so heavy into visibility STEM, where I was even like, mm, I could make this like my full time thing after my PhD, yeah. which I can. Um, yeah. But I also really realized that I also really love being in the lab. Um, yeah. At the moment, though, because you know things change and stuff. Mm. Um, so at the moment, I think I'm open to. I'm open to both ideas of staying in academia, but I also have never seen myself staying for the long haul. I don't see myself like being a PI. I don't mm. see myself having a lab, not because I'm not capable, but just because it just doesn't sound like my path. I The thing is, mm. I've always liked doing so many things. And yeah. what I've loved about visibility STEM is kind of given me the flexibility to do whatever I want with the thing. Because yes. it's it's because it's I mean it's me and my co-founders but like when something is yours you kind of just decide yeah I want to do this with it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and I I love that and um I love the like being able to be creative in in ways and 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 helping people in a way that's more tangible and stuff I always felt yes. like I would do whatever I was gonna do in my life was gonna actually like impact people in some way mm. shape or form yeah. so yeah so I'm starting to think about it because I'm now starting my third year. Um, yeah. so I have like two years left so I think it's about time to start thinking about it because you know depending on what you want to do you need to already apply for things before mm-hmm. you're done mm-hmm. but yeah I think I'm very open but one thing I've always I've always opened myself up to opportunity I've never been like had like tunnel vision where I'm like I'm going to do this one thing yes I've always been like hey you never know like in a year's time maybe some random opportunity that I never thought about will come about and I'll consider it because life is for the living <laughs> yes oh same it's actually really refreshing to meet someone and speak with someone who it sucks but validates your experience mm-hmm. because I definitely feel that way as well and I, I feel mm-hmm. like most of this conversation has just been going me too me too <laughs> <laughs> But it's true because I've also felt like I had so many passions and ideas of what I want to do and who I want to be that when people would tell me, oh, because you're doing your PhD, you'll go do a postdoc and then maybe you'll do one more and Mm -hmm. then you'll become a PI. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Uh, uh, oh, you can say that, Mm -hmm. but that felt very limiting to me. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who are fully content with that life, with the writing of the grants and not being in the lab anymore because as a PI, you're just basically behind a computer for the most part. There's some newer PIs who kind of dabble in and out of the lab. But I do know that when I was looking at my mentors and people who were around me, that that was not the life I wanted for myself. I could Mm -hmm. do it for a period of time. Mm -hmm. I was willing to give it a go. I was willing to finish my PhD and try the whole postdoc thing. Mm -hmm. But the creativity that I knew I had within me was not really being tapped fully. Mm. And also the the notion of having that tangible change sooner rather than later. Mm. When I was doing traumatic brain injury research and then later on dabbling in Alzheimer's disease research, I knew that even if I discovered something, mm. it would be 30 years, 40 years before it even made it into a patient's hands yeah. and was actually being used abundantly. Yeah. Whereas... When I do stuff like her side where people are mm-hmm. hearing other people's stories and feel 
seen and mm-hmm. heard, that's immediate. That is a tangible change mm-hmm. that someone can say I had on someone. Yeah. And I'm looking for that more than anything else. People always used to say, oh, aren't you trying to get that Nobel Prize for medicine? And I'm like, no, I'd rather get a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, <laughs> you I know? feel you. That was always my response because in my mind, I don't want to be 92 and winning something. And it's cool if someone wants that. Yeah, exactly. It's totally cool if you want to dedicate 50 years, 60 years of your life to medicine and understanding a human problem and fixing it for a lot of people. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, but it's not for everyone. Exactly. And I think it's okay to have different dreams. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't, like, you know, one of the things my parents always say to me is I I, I always loved doing too many things. Like, as yeah. <laughs> when I was in primary school, like every day they didn't know what time they had to pick me up because I always had a different afternoon activity. <laughs> I was yeah. in the marimba band. I was in the choir. I was yeah. in the girl guides. I was doing softball. I was doing, I was doing all sorts of things, right? And that's never changed. It's even like, lo- like last year, I was doing so many things, like between the PhD, mm. physical system, and so many things in between. I was moderating Parkinson's disease talks. I was yeah. um, involved in just so many things. And I realized that I, I have, I, I love science. And everything I do seems to somehow, not, almost everything I do seems to lead back to science, but it's not always in terms of research. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I think for me, I'm really passionate about making science accessible to people who yes. it's not accessible to in mm. um, in all the time and and more more importantly i think for me is giving especially africans that space to be to feel confident within being within science right because a lot of the times africans aren't amplified they have Mm -hmm. a lot more barriers and stuff and limitations so for me that's something i could see that's something i could see myself doing for a long time because that's always it's ever evolving you get to work with different people. You can work with kids. You can work with teenagers. You can work with people already further in their career. And I think I, I, I like that idea. At the same time, I'm, I'm open. I'm open. But, you know, I might completely change and do neither yes. and do something else. And that's beautiful. That's why life yes. is what it is. Because you can choose to do other things. I could... I, I like I love to cook, for example, and I've always had this dream of having a food truck. So I might just Ooh. like drop all of it and then just become a chef. So you yeah. know, <laughs> I'll support that. <laughs> I've never been one track minded either. So if anyone else wants to try different things, and you know what, you can even do the food truck thing and then come back and do something else, exactly. or you could do that for forty years if you want to, exactly. or you could do something completely different. Exactly. You could go become a librarian, and you would make all those kids love coming to the library. You know what I mean? Exactly. You could do anything. Like life is like finite, so I want to try and take as much of it as I can and do the Oof. things that are making me happy in that moment, Same. and that will change. That will yep. change. Knowing me, I don't think I can be content with doing the same thing indefinitely i can't i know myself i'll get bored (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) i need some spice in my life i need some flavor i need some different things you know Mm -hmm. oh i get that 100 percent. yeah so yeah um i think it's me asking you now right i think yes yes. okay what is your greatest fear about getting older i think that's multifaceted for me Mm mm-hmm the act of getting older, I'm not too worried about. Mm. I, I'm not too worried about going gray or mm. having wrinkles. Although <laughs> I looked at my mom, I'm not going to get wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> it don't crisis. <laughs> it don't. <laughs> but um, I do think about losing my mind. It's mm. not being me anymore. Mm. I have come to terms with losing my parents, but mm. I have not come to terms with um, losing my brother. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, we're so close in age that my entire life has just been him. It's mm-hmm. me and him. He's like my my day one, my ride or die, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And even Sorry, if, who's older between the two of you? He's a, a year and eight months older. Okay. Or a year and nine months older. Mm-hmm. I think we counted at some point, but the number changes in my mind. <laughs> Essentially, we were raised as twins, and it worked out mm-hmm. nicely. Because my mom would say, even if you have a different birthday, you're twins in my mind. No one is older than the other. No one's better than the other. And mm-hmm. I was like... You go, mama. Yeah, great. (laughs) It worked out for me because I think as the younger child, maybe I was more likely to be treated like the baby. And I don't think my mother wanted that. She didn't Mm. want me to be treated like the girl. And, oh, you have to do do X while your brother can relax and Mm. have friends over and play video games. She did a – I think she was adamant about that because she had experienced it in her own life and didn't want to redo what her parents did where she felt like, oh, I'm the only girl out of – 
11 because mm. she has 10 brothers, all of whom are younger than her. Okay. So she became a third parent very, very early on. And she never wanted me to feel like I was the pseudo mom because mm-hmm. why would you put that pressure on a child? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's losing my mind, um, losing my brother. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this has to do with getting older, but I think it has to do with dying. Mm. Uh, just feeling like I didn't do enough. Mm, okay. I just, it wasn't enough. I wanted to do more. Mm. I wanted to reach more people. I wanted to yeah. share more happiness. I wanted to just do more. Do more, yeah. I think I used to feel that more when I was younger for some reason, but recently mm. I don't worry about that anymore because I actually, I think last last year, mm. I did so much stuff. And it mm. felt good, but at the same time, I also felt empty sometimes. And I'm like, I'm doing all the mm. stuff. I'm getting all these like pats on the back and accolades and articles about me. But I don't, mm. it's like sometimes I actually find more joy in just chilling with someone I really like. And sometimes I think those moments are the moments that actually matter more than all these other things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Oh, no, for sure. Do you think that sometimes people only refer to doing enough as in, uh, the labels and the accolades and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm I'm weird and I'm really different. Uh, sometimes I think about doing enough as in making sure I called the right people to let them know that I loved them. Yeah. You know, like those mm-hmm. little moments. I think that's more. I think th- at least now, because I think before I didn't think like that, but now I think like mm. that. You know, where those moments, those like human moments, where like I'm connecting mm-hmm. with people and like you said, reaching yeah. out to people I care about. I think are the things that I'm going to be like, and I feel like I've done that more. I've I've done like achievement wise. Like, mm. I've done a lot of stuff. Like, I can, like, oh, yeah, yeah. I graduated top of my class. I got this yeah. big scholarship. I started a thing, you know? I can, yeah. like, list all these amazing things that objectively someone will be like, wow, you've done so many things. And it's like, yeah, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying that I'm not proud of myself, but I feel like those things are just, like, one facet of my existence mm-hmm. and sometimes not even the most important, you Ooh, know? facts. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand. Yeah. We can either do one more question or end here because that was a beautiful end uh up to you girl you want to ask me one more thing or shall we wrap it up let's do one more each and then we can go ahead and say our goodbyes because this is gonna be a pain to edit i'll tell you yep (laughs) god gave you some homework here uh (laughs) i'm gonna be busy for the next little while okay i'll ask you one and then you ask me the last one yeah sounds good when was the last time you felt blissful the last time I felt blissful, uh, honestly, it was yesterday. Oh, what happened yesterday? I had a lovely interview with a woman that I admire in so many ways. Mm. And as we were wrapping up the the call, mm-hmm. she was, it was such a small thing, mm. but she wanted to do it again. Oh. She was like, can we talk again? You're amazing at this. Can we talk again? Oh, yeah, I can, I can get that. I can get that. But I, I I feel her. I was even thinking we should do this all the time. Like I can't tell you how much I value a good conversation. Like for me it's one of the most like beautiful things. I love it. Like you can't you can't put a price on a good conversation, honestly. Like you can't. Yeah. Well, I mean let's go deep. What is the pain you would like to heal in yourself? How did I know that, that was gonna be <laughs> I'm sorry. I knew, I knew it. It's, it's okay. such a good question. Um it is a really good question. I know, like, it's a very common one on the end, like, on the actual yes. episodes. And I'm, like, but usually it's, like, it's usually what is the pain you would want to heal in the other person. Yes, exactly. So I switched this one up because I had the lover's deck. So I was, like, let's not ask about each other. Mm. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, the pain I would like to heal in myself. Who is this a deep question? <laughs> but um, I have experienced quite a fair amount of trauma in different ways like i mean like my mom getting sick is like one 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 big thing you know it was a major thing that affected me it was like maybe three it was almost four or five years collectively where my mom was just not herself and my mom and i are super close um moving back to zim spontaneously because of that situation was pretty tough and readjusting but also um yeah, my childhood wasn't always so great. There was a bit of um, abuse and not to me per se, but abuse in my environment, like physical, but also alcoholism was present in the environment. And just these things 
that I just, um, growing up, I knew it was messed up and it, it, it affected me, but I didn't acknowledge that it affected me. I always just used to push forward. But then I realized that I never actually acknowledged that a lot of the things that happened when I was young hurt me. Mm-hmm. And th- that that hurt and pain has manifested in different ways as a, like now that I'm older that aren't necessarily healthy. Um, so I think I would like to like heal that pain of, of my childhood of some of those events that happened that like I never got to talk about them. No one ever like really said, hey, uh, that, that, that was messed up. Like, let's talk about it. How do you feel? I never had an outlet for these things so i think i've i've internalized a lot of trauma throughout the years and i th- and i think like young tasha would have appreciated having an outlet and i think i it's something i'm i'm working through healing through it but it takes a while to really unpack like 20 plus years of like stuff that's happened that you never really acknowledge i'm really good at like internalizing and not acknowledging things but that's not a healthy thing at all mhm are you at a point where you're continuing to see a therapist? I know you mentioned a, a therapist last year. Um, no, but I actually, because the thing was, the therapist was from the university. So the university has like, um, you know, some resources for, you know, therapy. But it's, the thing is, they only have like two therapists for the whole university. <laughs> oh boy. And and that person can't be like your regular therapist. It's kind of someone you can go to if you're having problems and they can kind of refer you to someone. So the, my, my, my plan was to actually look for a regular therapist because I think everyone needs I think therapy is great I think yes ev- I absolutely. think everyone should and I I definitely do want to uh go to therapy as a more regular thing like once every month or two months or whatever just you know to talk through stuff um but one thing is I think being a black African woman finding a therapist who I would really gel with yeah. it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be maybe a challenge but I'm I'm not not to say that a white therapist wouldn't be okay i'm sure that because even the therapists i talked to last year were brilliant but i know that finding the right therapy therapist can be a journey in itself um and it's also really expensive jeez yes oh my goodness it's so expensive and to be fair i'm actually in a position where i can afford it but it's still like i look at them like a hundred euro for a consult Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot you know so i'm really um it's something i i do actually need to just do because it's something you can keep pushing off and pushing away but it's, I think it's so important, especially like last year I got to a point where I was so bad that I was having panic attacks, right? So mm-hmm. I recognize that it's something that I need to do um, and, and, and to work through all these different things that I've probably been ignoring for <laughs> ever, basically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but um, I think all the, like I was mentioning, like stuff like meditation and the journey, even like the stuff with the end and stuff, like that's why I actually bought the deck, the self one. I ah. think... Yeah, I think it's it's helped at least for me to unpack for myself what's going on with me, you know, and that's 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 been part of it. But yeah, that's that's definitely the pain I'd like to heal. I think I've got a lot of like just baggage, trauma, childhood stuff that I never acknowledge even to anyone, maybe like to like maybe people I dated or even friends, like just telling them in passing, oh, this happened, that happened. But more like a story, but not as something that actually like I f- like how I felt about it, you know. Yeah, I always kind of put my feelings in the back burner, and I've done that in general as a person. Like I kind of put my feelings to the side because I guess that was my coping mechanism, but it necess- not wasn't necessarily healthy. So, yeah, mm. I do hope that if you do feel like you are safe with me, that if you do want to do that exploration, that I am here mm. and you can reach out to me to help you through that journey but i'm obviously not a clinical psychologist yeah of course phd in it i did it i have a degree in neuroscience but i just from the friend perspective i'm here and you're just a good listener that i've observed about you already so that's and and to be quite frank i think one thing i've realized for myself and for most people most people don't want other people to solve their problems they just want to feel heard i think that's it yes that's it I think exactly. too many people want to have a solution to other people's problems, but most people, mo- mo- first of all, most of the time your solution is not the right solution because mm-hmm. there's always so much context that maybe the person isn't even completely explaining. Some people also struggle with communicating how they feel completely, like, you know, very eloquently. Mm-hmm. So people just want to feel heard. Mm-hmm. It's 
really such a blessing to have been able to spend this time with you, to learn about you, to kind of learn about myself as well. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we can have this conversation again sometime. Yes. And I think as we continue to grow, I think these answers might change as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm just throwing this into the universe, but I would love to like do this again. And like, cause all the prompts were kind of on your end. I would love to do this again and come up with new prompts and like sometime yes. in the near future. Cause I loved this. This is just so great. So I would love for this to become a more regular thing. We'll see what the audience thinks. Yeah. And if they kind of like this flow, this back and forth. I enjoy it tremendously, but I don't know if people are going to get sick of hearing my voice. So no, I like to kind of put the spotlight on other people more often than not. So. No, but I think it's great because I think people will appreciate hearing about you because I think that's always the thing when you're on a show where you're more interviewing people. Mm. It becomes, of course, more about the guest than you, which is fine. But I think it's like you also have a story that people want to hear. Also, I wanted to say this from the very beginning, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but you have the most beautiful voice, girl. Like, your voice <laughs> is like butter. It's so damn smooth. I'm just here. I remember when, when you were reading the intro, like when you're doing the intro in the beginning, I was just like, yes, yes, read me a bedtime story. Yes. I'm like, just keep talking. Like, your, your voice is just, it's, it was made to be recorded. It was made to be out in the masses, oh, girl. Like, thank you. <laughs> like, really, I just had to. To end on that note. Okay, <laughs> I've I've heard the sentiment. I've never heard it worded like that. So <laughs> <laughs> I will forever be grateful. For that. You know what's funny though? This is the, will be the last thing that I say. Mm-hmm. I used to think my voice was boring. In fact, not because I thought that myself, but because people told me that it was. Oh wow! I used to think that when people said that my voice can put them to sleep, that they were saying that it's like so dull. <laughs> That it can put them to sleep Not but now all. i realize that it's like calming and calming enough that people feel happy i guess <laughs> it's such a strange thing it's lovely like it's really like a like it's uh, i really like your voice like it's Thank not boring you. at all. It's very calming, soothing. It's easy to listen to. It's just like when you're just talking and telling stories, it's like, yes, tell me things. <laughs> Love Thank it. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. This has been too much fun. Honestly, we could go on for hours and hours. Yes, we could. 